Who wants coffee? Who wants a pot of coffee? I just made coffee. You want a cup of coffee? Sure. There you go. Who wants coffee? Anybody else want coffee? Who wants coffee? And now it's time for the man with the caffeine, the new tropics for the brain. It's coffee with Mike. Hang in, hang tight, grab your cup, and uh, let's get this started. Everybody, welcome back to Java Chat, and I'm telling you today we've got a good one for you. I'm starting to sound like Steve Harvey. We got a good one for you today. I got to get Steve Harvey on this podcast one of these days. That's got to. I don't know if you've ever heard him talk, but he's amazing when it comes to entrepreneurship. You, but I, you, you know, what's funny you doing that is I, I did years in radio, and so when you get in the radio voice, in the industry yeah. they call it puking. So oh yeah, oh yeah, oh I, oh, I, I puke well. I've done radio too. Trust me, I, I actually did voices for, uh, for a couple of radio stations back in Hawaii, where I'm from. Yeah, okay. And I, used, I used to do all the Warner Brothers and Hanna Barbera cartoon characters, accents, and all that stuff. <laughs> And it was funny because everybody's just like, so who's doing all that stuff for you? Oh, it's some local kid. It's like, some local kid? What are you talking about? Some local kid knows how to do that. And because I was, I, was I was known as a musician, not a voice, not a voice actor. <laughs> so we, we had fun. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. The other one was called Lounge Lizard. Lounge Lizard? Hey, it's beautiful today. Uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The real, the, hey. <laughs> yeah. Like the, like the, like the the dance dj oh yeah 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 oh my gosh i remember those days thankfully i'm an original raver so our dj was not like that we actually we actually got to dancing um but in any case so i have the pleasure of having a, a gentleman here by the name of damon burton i want to give you guys a little bit of background on him before we get after this because the guy's just insanely interesting um he first off you you host your own podcast what's it called learning from others learning from others. If that doesn't tell you anything about this man right out the gate, you're missing it, okay? Having started his business, he started before the 2008 recession. Great timing, by the way, Damon. Yeah, Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> um, Damon is familiar oh, navigating <laughs> and growing a business through. Yeah, it's like, did you, what, I want some of what you smoked that day because that that is ballsy. Um, <laughs> Well, it's not exactly like I or anyone knew it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of, yeah, I know that one too. So it, it's, it's interesting. Never before has there been so many people needing something to focus their attention on and the time to do it. Um, over a decade ago, you beat a billion-dollar company. We're getting into that yeah. um, by, outranking them on, uh, by outranking their website on Google. Now, folks, when you hear who it is, you're going to really want to know because, first off, you know, Billion dollar company, okay, but it's a billion dollar media company, a company that knows how to dominate search, and he beat them at their own game. Okay, so he knows he's he knows he's got something good. Uh, he's got a company by the call, uh, called SEO National. He started in two thousand seven. It's still the same same name, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay, still cool. At it thirteen years later. You you write for Forbes. You're a contributor now. Mm -hmm. You've been featured in publications like Entrepreneur Mag, BuzzFeed, USA Weekly. Uh, you've helped high-profile clients make more in a month than they used to in a year. So, oh, I like this last part. Not only does Burton bring an easy-to-follow approach to increasing your revenue and online visibility, he literally wrote the book on how to <laughs> outrank your competition. Dude, yeah, we're digging it. Look at this. Look. His new book, Outrank, serves as a – oh, and by the way, I'll need the link to the book, please, <laughs> so that we can promote that on the podcast. People can grab a copy of it, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Um, as a guide to those who want to dominate Google search results without paying for ads. Normally, you would not be somebody I would have on my podcast because paid ads are my specialty. 
especially with identity <laughs> resolution. However, I am a marketer and to, and to just focus on one as a total solution would be absolutely foolhardy for any company, business, or yeah. person that's trying to create a brand online. And so this will, this will lead to my first question is branding in, in, I think in both of our opinions, um, is more crucial today than it has ever been. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's, I agree with what you were saying because a lot of times I talk with other people and I've never understood the marketers that are, that are the guys that are like, if you don't do paid ads, you're a loser. Or even, even the guys on my own team, if you, if you don't do SEO, you're a loser. You know, it's, <laughs> it's never, I've never understood the concept of it being a zero sum game because if, if all of the above are driving a profit, then do all of the above. You know, it's, it's that there's no perfect cookie cutter design for any business. And, you know, and a good example for me is I'm not on TikTok and I, I don't anticipate being on TikTok because I don't want to be the dancing SEO guy. Man, so it's, nice. like, it's like the same thing for any other business, you know, find where your audience is. And then if you can, if there are multiple places and you can monetize multiple places, then it's fine. If you can only monetize one, then do one. But yeah, you know, your question about branding is it's super important because it's the, the goal of SEO and branding, as you know, is to build up the assets that you own. You're, you're building up a reputation mm -hmm. and credibility, but why it's more important now is because a combination of and ors or all of the above in the current economic climate is some people need to stretch their dollar further or maybe they don't but they're more sensitive now to mm -hmm. what's going on because mm -hmm. of the political climate mm -hmm. and so now people people always want to buy not necessarily from you know faceless companies and they may they may pay your company but they're probably buying because of you yeah and so now it's even more important because there's a sensitivity to the world where people want to buy more on trust and you do that through branding. I think, I think a lot of marketers lost it. They, again, speaking to that point of, of the zero sum solution, which has never been, and I don't know, I don't know why that started or where that started. I'm, I'm old school programmatic is the old school. I mean, billboards, TV, radio, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Omnipresence. You, could, you couldn't, yeah, omnipresence. You couldn't do just one. You had to have yourself in multiple places. The only challenge with the programmatic was it was expensive. So the best you could hope for as a small business was the classifieds or maybe getting some PR. And then yeah. most people did that and didn't know how to follow up, follow up with it, blah, blah, blah. But now you have all of this. And you, you mentioned something that I, I pump on a lot, which is <clears> – <throat> the ands and ors, what we call alternatives and substitutes. You know, that's one of the biggest forces fighting against your own profits as a business owner. You got somebody else that can either do a version of it that might be a little better and cheaper or has some alternative version period that may not necessarily be at all what you do, but still works yeah. in some way or form. And you can still get an ROI on it. And, and for the people that are more conscious about their, their dollars, I think people are finally beginning to understand the difference between cost and investment. At least I hope they are. Um, <laughs> There's I still, always going to be some. Oh, I, I, still run, I still run into those too. Trust me. Um, and I, I hate to say it, but even, even when, like, if we're on a sales call or something like that, it becomes a poker game. You know, they're trying to figure out, you know, are you, are you an and? Are you an or? Or are you what I'm looking for? And if you haven't already established that already outside, mm. it's going to be a long conversation. <laughs> Yeah, you, the, there, there's some beauty to what you said. Uh, you know, a good example is by the time my leads come to me, they're they're usually just 
here's my money. Like we yeah. go, we, we go on a date and then they go, okay, is this, I, I, my friend referred me to you and said, you're a hunky dude, but I just really want to see one time if you're a hunky dude and then, okay, here's my money. <laughs> <laughs> it actually, it, in that case, it would be, here's the ring. Just put it on my finger. Let's go. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. You're sure. You're, you're correct. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think a lot of this has to do with, you know, the last 10 years or so with social media and copywriting hammering the pain points. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, I, I, I understand agree. how you can convert that. And, and that's always been in, in copywriting where it's like, identify the pain points of your customer and then tell them how you can solve it. But now on social media, it's just like, you need this or you're a loser. And so everyone feels like they have to pick a battle. And so now everyone's in just this battle mode. And that's why it's become zero sum. It's because it's, I have an epiphany and my thing's better and it's this way or the highway. Yeah. And I, I see that when they do that too, it desensitizes or jades the marketplace. Because, mm -hmm. um, you know, we tried that already. Uh, you tried a version of it and the version you tried obviously didn't work. It, it's just, it's a fight. If you're not educating, and I was just on the phone with a, um, <laughs> what now was supposed to be an affiliate relationship is going to end up becoming a client relationship real quick. <laughs> <laughs> we just started talking about stuff and he's just like, wait, you can do that. I'm like, yeah, but that's not why we're on the phone. But, but you know what, you know why that worked though is because you weren't selling. Because no, were, and, I, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to. I just, I just, you could do this, you could do this, you could do this. Can you do that? Yeah, I can. That's not why we're on the phone, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, but but like you said, if you're if you're educating, which is I think now it's called edutainment. It used to be called infotainment, um, or maybe it still is. I don't know. Uh, but edutainment now is is keeping the person engaged by entertaining them while educating them. Uh -huh. And I think that correct me if I'm wrong, but that builds the know you like you trust you long before a sale is ever considered. And probably creates a lot better environment for what you have happening. And I'm assuming that's kind of what you do at, at this point. Is that is that pretty close to correct? Yeah, de definitely the majority of our sales just come from referrals or staying top of mind. Um, I'm not a salesy guy. It's not that I can't be. It's just they don't want to be. Like, I don't yeah. want to be the yeah. PPI. Same here. And so when I get on, you know, a lot of our clients come from um, e either – it's definitely the majority is, is – from two places. One is referrals from existing clients. And kind of the analogy I give is, you know how if you're watching the, the CSI crime scene shows and they got like mm -hmm. the cork board and they got a pin here and then they draw the string yep. over to pin yep. here. Like I can do that string back 13 years for probably 80% plus of my clients from That's one awesome. client to another client. And now the where the other clients come from is is just giving free value and social proof. And so for me, it's you know facebook and linkedin and so i get on linkedin i've been slacking the last month because i've just been super busy which is a great problem to have but, oh yeah it's a great problem know, so i get on there and i say you know here's here's how to do this thing for free and i and i don't have a call to action it's like here's no literally here's your answer like you know that one thing that's super hard about seo here's a simpler way to do it or you know that one thing that takes time here's a faster way to do it and then by doing that you so when i grow my audience on LinkedIn. I don't live in the private messages. I don't, I'm not there to sell in the private messages. So what I do is I connect and then I bounce out. And, and then what I do is I just want them in my network so I can show them my expertise and then just build that relationship. So kind of what we touched on earlier, the people that want your thing, they're going to buy it one day, you know, whether it's you or somebody else. So 
you don't have to sell them on it. They're going to buy it when they're ready. Instead, yeah. just build yeah. that relationship with them. Yeah, we're, we're in the same position. That some of the stuff that we do with identity resolution, a lot of people don't really know it yet. Um, machine AI learning or AI machine learning, excuse me. I always back. I have, I have that Freudian thing where I flip things. Um, but AI machine learning, identity resolution are not well-known topics in the realm of marketing because they still think it's being used for security stuff and big brother and all this kind of thing. And it's, it's also being used for marketing and, and trying to educate people about that stuff. Sometimes it's like being your head against the wall, but at the same time, it's like, you should know this stuff. I, I'm, I'm not, yeah, I sell this stuff, but you should know why it works. You should know how it works. You should understand what it's about and why it's important when you're using it for whatever you're doing. Um, if you're going to educate, like, like here, and, and here's a question. Let's go back to when you first started and, and slipped onto this. I mean, mm -hmm. was it a banana peel slip or was it one of those things where you just kind of, you know what I'm saying? Is it just like one of those things where you just kind of went, holy shit. Let's do this. This is this this will work, and 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 went from there. Or was it one of those things where it was a real like, ooh, here's an opportunity to serve. Let's go serve. It, it was it was a combination. So I never had. Um, there was definitely definitive moments, but they were micro moments that led mm -hmm. to other micro moments. So there's very clear blips on the radar, but it wasn't just one mega one. And so where I would say, if we go way 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 back, it started. Um, probably even when I was, you know, a teenager. So growing up lower middle class, I didn't have computers. And so that was the Thanks. first thing what I got into is like, okay, well, I'm going to take advantage of these computers when I'm at school. And so that kind of built an appreciation for the opportunity to work with those. <clears throat> then high school years, um, you know, if you think back 20 plus years, they didn't have WordPress and Dreamweaver and these develop these web design programs. You, you mean, you mean we didn't? Because because that would have been me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah we, you, we, had, we had we had typewriters. That's about yeah. all we had. Yeah. I, I I could go back to typewriters. I'm not going to though. <laughs> so so in in high school they said, hey, you know, we have this. It was my junior year, and they said we have this um, HTML class. And so because they didn't have those programs, you had to learn it by hand. And I'm actually yep. super grateful to have learned that now because now when you use these cool programs, they don't know if it looks ugly. They just do what you. Yep. Tell it to do when you push the button. Yep. So it's nice to be able to go in there and say, no, 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 you're screwing this up, Mr. Program. Do it this yeah. way. I'll write it. Yep. So then the next year, they, they, in my senior year, they said, okay, well, now anybody that's taking this other class, we have this kind of like exclusive class of just 10 students, and you can build the server's website or, or the, the, the school district's websites. And so we nice. do the different websites for the schools. And so that was like where I got introduced to it. And then fast forward a year or two, and then I was in a communications class in college websites. And so we nice. do the different websites for the schools. And so that was like where I got introduced to it. And then fast forward a year or two, and then I was in a communications class in college. And this is like the real, one of the real clear definitive moments is in the communications class, they said, okay, here's FTP access on the server. And so if, you, if you're not familiar with what that is, it's just like a chunk of space on the school's computers right. where, I, where I can play and build something. Mm -hmm. And so they said, everybody in the class has to build a basic HTML website with these minimum requirements. And so I was looking at the sheet and I got thinking, I said, why am I going to spend this much time if they're just going to wipe it out at the end of the semester? And so I asked my teacher and I said, can I buy a domain? And if I'm going to build something, can I build it keep on it. my, my space yeah, instead keep of the it. server? Yeah. And so I made um, a website <clears throat> called EliteRides.com. It's it, I still own the domain, but it's just archived. There's nothing there. And so it was a car enthusiast website because, of course, in your early 20s, you're into cars. And so sure. if you think fast and furious, but 
two years before Fast and Furious. So that's kind of the space that I was building out. So that's kind of like the first blip. And then the way that evolved was I stumped before Google Analytics, there was this program called um, Webalizer. It's still around, but you know, I don't, not as I remember hearing it. about that. I never used it though. Yeah. Yeah. So usually it was just kind of there on your server and yeah. it would show your traffic. And so I kind of just stumbled and you know, what is this thing? And then I was like, holy crap, I have traffic. Yeah. Right. And so at that point I said, well, that's cool. How do I, how do I make this better, a better experience to draw in more traffic? And so that's when I said, okay, let's dig deeper into the world of web design. And then the next instance of that was, okay, I've grown more. Now how do I monetize this? And so then that's how I got into marketing. And so I just had this hobby site for years. And then I had another hobby site or two, which will open the door to the ABC thing. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I got into it. And then after doing, if, if we kind of skip past the ABC thing and kind of get to where it became a career, it was at one point I had probably 40% of my income was from my side hustle, but 80% nice. of my time was consumed by my day job. Uh -huh. And so I said, okay, does this make sense to take the risk, you know, cut out the day job, which would suck to lose 60% of your income, but can I still pay all my bills? And that's, so then I that's said, that's always the question. Yeah. I think a lot of entrepreneurs miss that one. <laughs> yeah. 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 They're just like, you have to go, into debt. go all in. No, yeah, you yeah, yeah. don't. You know what? That's, and that's a whole other conversation we could potentially get into. Oh like, yeah, we will I, eventually. I never understand why, the, the first thought is how do I raise money? Like you don't just freaking start your thing. <laughs> it, it's called a side hustle for a reason. It's on yeah. the side while you yeah. continue doing it. It's how I had to start too. I mean, as, as an entrepreneur, I had to have jobs. Yeah. I, it, now I don't, but I mean, it's, it, I had to have jobs. We got to do what we got to do. I don't, yeah. I don't think there's anybody that has ever not bitten the bullet, but not had some kind of thing to, to back them up just in case without having to go out and raise capital. You don't. So I used to work for an angel group, not to interrupt your story, but I used to work for an angel investment group. That was one of the things I always asked. Do you guys have income that can last you for at least six months? And I mean, income, your reserves need to be another six months. And I always got, no, we'll just get it from the capital. I'm like, no, that's not how this works. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That capital coming in is not going to your salaries. You the, don't the, get yeah, one for the first year. You're that's investing. The accelerator, yeah. yeah, that's the accelerant part. This helps your operation grow, so you can find new people to help with it. It, it. it boggles my mind that that one, the thought even comes out. Two, that there's anybody possibly even saying, "Yeah, just bite the bullet." Uh, no. <laughs> I think I think it, it's it's probably partly what we touched on earlier about social media glorification. And I know so that's that's. You should celebrate your wins and entrepreneurship is beautiful, but you have to earn them. And so you can't just go with the highlight reel. And they, anyway, okay, back yeah. to the story. So, um, uh, so I, I had my side hustle and I said, okay, this makes sense. You know, at the time I was, um, 24 ish. And so my only debt was my wife and I got married the year that I started my business. So we had our mortgage and car payments and that was it. And so we knew that in the upcoming years we would have kids and we would do the family thing. And so, <clears throat> For me, it really boiled down to A, is this a good calculated risk and can it get, can the risk get any better than now? Probably not because kids are on the horizon Yeah, and, and I want to grind it out because I know there's going to be a grind before yeah. I have kids. Yeah. And so that's like, if I had to give kind of the abbreviated cliff notes, that's, that's how I got to where I'm at. Right. And then you do have one now. You have one. I have three. Oh, you have three. three kids. Three kids. Yeah. And then you, the, I th uh, and then what are the I ages? Do, I have a nine-year-old boy, a six-year-old boy, and a three-year-old daughter. Awesome. So you got the, you got, you've got both. That's yeah, good. yeah. 
yeah. yeah, no, no, it's good. It's good. I'm, I'm, congratulations, dad and mom. It's, it's awesome. Um, I actually, I'm a single dad. Um, I raised my son with the help of my mother because uh, my mom's retired. Um, and of course, I'm the youngest in my you. family, so I get to take care of my mom now. There you go. Yeah, right? <laughs> right? Can the listeners see your eyes? Roll? She's, she's, <laughs> she's, uh, she's <laughs> to the back of my head. Um, the, but the, the, the joy of that is obviously, you know, she did, she did a lot for me. <clears throat> so I, it's it's all love and and I love her dearly. My son, same story. Even though some days I'd like to, I'd like to smack him upside the head and go, "What are you thinking?" Um, <laughs> interesting though, he's Gen Z and they're they're the smart ones. He comes out every once in a while and starts talking about stuff, and I look at him, and I go, "What? You knew about that? What the hell? What do you?" Because half the time he's in his room and I hear him laughing with his friends. I don't know what he's researching, but he'll come out and he'll talk to me about current events, affairs, things of of. He's even gotten into some politics, and I looked at him, and I went, all right, slow down, Junior. We need to talk um, just to keep things on the even keel, so to speak. Um, but, you know, it, being a parent is amazing. I love it. I'm sure you do too. Um, when you got to that point of, of starting to have children, how was that grind going? Was, that, was, it, was it just building, or was it you had to push through? Mine goes in cycles because, so I did the grind before kids. I was early twenties. And so I was, you know, instead of coffee, it was beer. And so it was. Used to be mine too. Now it's whiskey. Yeah. It was late nights. And at the time my wife, um, she worked at a hospital. And so she would do, she'd have like 4am shifts. So she'd get up at three or three 30. And so I'd be like, why not get up at three or three? Yeah. Cause I'm an entrepreneur. And so I would get up when she got up and then I would work, she'd get home at like 2 PM. Yeah. Yeah. And so then I would just work for that 11, 12 hours. She'd take a nap and then I would just, you know, I'd hang out for an hour before she took a nap and then I'd work three, four, five more hours. And so yeah. I would do 16, 20 hour days. And then, um, when we had our first kid, it was, I, I had got far enough along where, um, I found success, but I, I would, I would s define success differently than versus now, because at the time, the first couple of years, it was like the first year or two, it was just cool to be self-employed. So it was a one man show. Mm -hmm. And so I had the freedom to, uh, you know, have some downtime and be dad and things like that, but I wasn't running the scale of operation that I am now. And I'm actually really fortunate that I went through that because I think for me, it was important to be the one man show and to just go, this is cool. And then a year or two later go, holy crap, I have something here. Like let's put on my big boy right, and like right. now do something with it. So right. that gets into the cycle. So then, um, for a couple of years after that, I really grinded it out, hired a couple people. And then that's when it was my first, you know, six figure years. And that was right. exciting. Yeah. And then, um, we had our second son and then I started to get really into, documenting processes and you know you talking about vc money um one of the blips on the radar was i had a vc agency come in and say hey um you know we're buying this other company that does this other marketing thing and it would be nice to complement them with your thing and so we're thinking about rolling them together do you want to entertain it and so i went and did some meetings with them i ended up backing out because it just there was something slimy going on you know and I, it was a bad vibe and so but i learned i learned something really important in that meeting and what that was was you know when you want some when somebody wants to buy if you're ever planning on exiting you have to have your processes documented because they just want to take the keys and run yeah and the other thing they want to do is they want to go okay where's the fire because we just want to pour more fuel on it and so that was really valuable because i had 
processes, but somewhere in my mind and somewhere in a spreadsheet and somewhere on this other thing. And so then when I left that, I said, I need to just consolidate them all to one location. Yeah. And yeah. that's something I talk about a lot on other podcasts is the importance of processes. And, you know, that sucked going through that cycle because here I am running a business and a dad and a husband, and now I got to document everything because I wanted to do it in a way that was very scalable and I didn't have to do again. Yeah. And so it was like two hours a day, every other day for a year. And cause I wanted to do it very clearly where I could become dependent on the processes and then I could just plug people in and not have to vet, you know, vet their qualifications, but not, not have to babysit them. I could just say, okay, you're vetted now go. It's, it's interesting that you, you talk about that. There's a two things. One, you talked about success and how you would define it differently. And yet I think most people misunderstand the definition of success because it's not defined by a definition in a dictionary. It's defined by what you feel is affable to your, your particular situation. So if your situation was to be self-employed and it was cool, that was success. If it's to generate seven, eight, nine figures in a company, that's your success. If it's to be uh, a successful parent and that you know that your kids are happy, smart, and, and, and well-educated and good, upstanding citizens, that's success. I think a lot of entrepreneurs focus so much success on the money aspect, they forget about the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Like you said, celebrate your wins. Every win is a success because you aimed at something and you, and you finally got it. Um, when it comes to systems, you talk about, um, you know, documenting everything. I'm 48. Half my life, I was a musician. That's the, that's the reason I asked you about music earlier. Mm. We didn't have systems. I went to work. I plugged my guitar in. I played. I sang. I, I did my thing, and I went home. What I didn't realize is that was the system. Yeah. And over time from when I started doing all of this business development marketing stuff from 2006 and so on, I didn't know what a system was. I didn't really care about systems. And then finally I started hearing, it started showing up in my life that, you know, Mm. systems matter, systems matter. You need to get something in a system. And so now it's like every time one of my partners comes up with something, I'm like, okay, show me the system. Well, here's the system. No, show me the system. Mm. Show me how this is going to flow. When we drop something in on one side, how much comes out on the other. I don't want to hear about the results. I want to hear about where it's going to start and how it's going to work. Then I'll tell you what the result is. And and it's just a lot more predictable. It's a lot easier to, I find that there's a lot less weight on your shoulders when you can see what's going to happen from front to back. Um, it's easier, like going back to the branding question, if I drop a piece of content in on my blog, What's the end result of that blog going to be? Am I going to educate people? Am I going to um, affinitize them to my brand? Am I going to get them to buy? What am I doing with that piece of content? And what's going to be the result on the on the back end? Um, speaking of which, and this one's another one, because everybody talks about it. I don't see a lot of people really doing it because when I watch their content come out, only the only the gurus and experts actually seem to have any kind of flow. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about a content, especially when it comes to SEO, instead of just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks, what's your process like? What do you? How do you? How do you consider bringing people to the table that mm-hmm. will affinitize to your brand and become a more likely client or customer for whatever it is that you're offering? Yeah. So f- first, I'll clarify that um, I am the shoemaker. 
And by that, I mean my website itself sucks. <laughs> so, because I'm so busy, my team is so I was going to say, what is it with us? We never do our own stuff. We, know, we do it well for everybody else. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's because we're in a fortunate position where clients are the priority, you know, and, yeah, and I'm not dying to impress anybody on my website. Because like we said earlier, by the time people come to me, they're just like, here's my money. I don't, so, I don't think that's necessary either, honestly. I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm just saying, I agree. If, if, if your website has to be the impression... It's too late. Well, and that's a good point because sometimes the people that want it to be a good impression are probably not the people you want to work with. Exactly, because they're looking for the same thing. Yeah. Fast results. So, that's not how this works. So as I as I answer this question, if you compare it against my website, it's not applicable. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we actually do a ton of research because, as you said, you don't want to throw mud at the wall. So what we try to do is align, okay, first of all, what are our keyword targets? So what are the words that our client can monetize if they show up on Google? So sure. that's, the that's the first, don't throw them out of the wall. Because a perfect example is we had a client years and years ago, well, they're actually still a client today. They're, they are um, a, a contract electronic manufacturing company. And so they, right. they put things together. Yeah. And so they buy the blank circuit boards in bulk and then assemble them into final products. Got it. They don't make the blank circuit boards. And so what happens is they had misaligned that before we came on because they said, well, we target circuit boards. Well, why? Not a, yeah. Uh, that would have been my first question too. It's like, ooh, I can see where that's going to go. <laughs> well, they, they were burning, you know, so we don't do paid ads, but we'll review paid ad data. Yeah. And so when we were looking at their paid ads, they were spending 80% of their budget on circuit boards and it was driving 0% of their revenue. I'm sure. So. The first thing we do is we say, okay, you know, before we build out our content, before we map out that strategy, we have to understand what are the, what are the words that we can monetize and align with audience. So that's, that's where the content starts is even before that is what are we going to, what does our content need to support? And that's, right. you know, targets. Right. And so we go through a bunch of analysis. We'll look at what I call gut reaction keywords. So I'll tell the client, I'll say, what's your gut reaction that you think you can monetize? And I'm going to either qualify or disqualify it based on data. And then we'll go look at, okay, in addition to your gut reaction, um, here's, we reverse engineered your competitor's SEO. Nice. So we'll, we'll do systematic reports and say, here's what the data says. But then we'll also take our trained eye and manually go through it and go, well, people put SEO things here, here, and here, and do we see anything in those places? Mm -hmm. And so we catalog all this mm. stuff, all these targets from their gut reaction, what their competitors are doing, what data shows, and what our own gut reaction is based on experience. We put it into one big list, then we run it through other filters and says, okay, this has high demand, low demand, and in, in addition to the demand, because like we said, you want to monetize these words. What's the point of showing up on the top of Google for something nobody searches? So then what we also do is say, okay, well, these look like good targets. What type of uphill battle are we up against? And so then we go look at not only the quantity of results. So for the listeners, if you want to do this, what you can do is you go to Google on a desktop. It won't work on a mobile. But if you go to desktop, go to Google, type in whatever, it's going to give you a quantity of results. Right. That's how many websites you're fighting against. Now, a lot of people say, well, well, that site that shows up isn't my direct competitor. Well, it doesn't matter because they're in your way. That's right. So that's your competitor. So we, we not only look at the quantity of results, but then we also look at the quality. Like, are there big gorillas in the room? Are you fighting against Amazon? Are you fighting against Walmart? So anyways, all of that, we, we agree based on that data. We say, okay, here's what we're going to target. Now, depending on what those words are, that's where we start to migrate the process into content. And so now we say, okay, 
how do we answer uh, a question or solve a, a problem that a customer has that searches for these things? A super great tool to use that's free is answerthepublic.com. That's a great tool. I use it. That's yeah. A great tool. You go there, you type in some of the words that you've found based on your data, and it's going to tell you the who, what, when, where, and why about that word. And what that data comes from is Answer the Public will go to places like Google Autocomplete. Mm. So when you start typing a thing in Google and says, I'm looking for X, Y, and then Google says, X, Y, Z. Yeah. And you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's because other people have searched for that same thing. So that is clearly telling you where your market is. Yep. Other people have already searched for that. So then you align that search demand with your words you can monetize and build content that marry the two. Awesome. Good enough, or did I put you to sleep? No. I'm, I'm sitting, I'm sitting. You, imagine, imagine standing behind an F-16 right after the afterburner just went off. <laughs> That's how I feel right now. You need a moment. <laughs> I need a moment to, to like, no, because it's what, you, first off, like, this is what we do too. Honestly, we, even for paid side, we have to understand the SEO side of things. We need to know what mm -hmm. keywords your website is targeting out the gate. Cause if we start going and driving traffic at a keyword, that's not in there, you're, you're wasting, you're spending, you're not investing. You have mm -hmm. to invest in alignment with what you've already got or what you're already targeting. If you don't have like a, like a target keyword list, some of these terms, some of you guys might not understand. Don't worry about it. When you talk to your SEO expert, they understand this stuff. They'll know this, a, a, a keyword plan. An optimized keyword plan is something that everybody should have. If it's not already on your website, go get, go get that together. Uh, imagine, imagine standing behind an F-16 right after the afterburner just went off. <laughs> That's how I feel right now. You need a moment. <laughs> I need a moment to, to like, no, because it's what, you, first off, like this is what we do too. Honestly, we even for paid side, we have to understand the SEO side of things. We need to know what mm -hmm. keywords your website is targeting out the gate. Because if we start going and driving traffic at a keyword that's not in there, you're you're wasting, you're spending, you're not investing. You have mm -hmm. to invest in alignment with what you've already got or what you're already targeting. If you don't have like a like a targeted keyword list, some of these terms, some of you guys might not understand. Don't worry about it. When you talk to your SEO expert, they understand this stuff. They'll know this. A a, a keyword plan. An optimized keyword plan is something that everybody should have. If it's not already on your website, go get, go get that together. Um, and if you really want to know more, go follow, oops, that way, go follow Damon because he talks about this stuff. But, but here's the point. Because like I said, even on the paid side, we have to understand what it is that's being targeted, especially like, like the Rye Spirits company I told you I work with. One of the keywords that was targeted was Rye Whiskey. Now, although the spirits is not a whiskey by definition, it's one of the places it would fall under. It's 21,700,000 competitive uh, websites. Mm -hmm. How the hell do you dominate something like that? Well, it's not going to be just by SEO and by keyword optimization. You have to put out content. You got to put out content that makes sense, that people, that people are going to consume and go, oh, that's cool. I want to try that. So, and correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, by the way. Um, so when we put out content, it, it has to do with things that are in and around that realm. Mm -hmm. And, and, and attracts the buyer in a way that, that, hey, you know, this is something that you'd really want to either try or keep enjoying. Our back street's getting busy again. How wonderful. <laughs> um, happen, it be, I get sirens down here every once in a while too. It's kind of nuts. But so back to that, when you're talking about 
putting an actual content calendar to answer the public thing is awesome. Um, you use the same methodology to beat out a billion dollar company or was that something you just happened to figure out or how, how did, uh, I know you mentioned the name, let's leave the name out of it for a second. Let's just talk about the strategy. How did you figure out how the hell to beat them? Because just beating a media company, a media company that understands this stuff is insane when you're a guy that's just you. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a combination. It's definitely part strategy, part um, early in on the SEO game because this was years ago. But before we get into the, the ABC story, I want to, to circle back on something you said. Okay. Um, you know, you talk about like with the whiskey example and, and content strategy, you, you mentioned a really important thing. And the way that I usually paraphrase it is, you know, I don't know why people think that they can, if, if your website isn't unique, how do you expect to rank uniquely? Right. And so if there's 20 million whiskey websites and you're just puking the same garbage, like, well, you're not going to show up. So yeah, you, you have to take unique position and, and yeah. either present value propositions or answer questions. And another thing that um, you talked about how you said you two on the other side of the coin, doing paid ads, you research SEO stuff and then yeah, I I said vice versa. Yeah. What's interesting about that is this goes back to the, you know, it doesn't have to be a zero sum game kind of thing because exactly. A lot of the times when you do the SEO stuff, it benefits paid ads indirectly. And, and the example is now you got more relevant content. It's more compelling. It's more keyword dense. And because SEO improved the page speed, now your paid landing page loads quicker, which gets you a better ad score. So you can marry all of them and it doesn't have to be like this one or the other thing. Thank you for, thank you for clarifying that and, and reiterating it because I, I still don't think enough people get that part marketing the pillars of marketing have not changed the the platforms by which mm -hmm. they're delivered have yes but the principles have not and you have to have a complete strategy in order for it to, you'll have some success by doing a zero sum you'll get some you'll get some success but you're not going to be able to scale it the way you think if you're not putting it all together you know i i touched on in my book about like the future of seo and and some people ask me you know what's next yeah. and how, how do we focus on the future and you know what i say mm stop focusing on the future <laughs> and it's exactly what you said focus yep. on focus on the core pillars yeah because it's exactly like you said so okay you know con th there's different ways to present your your content you can do media you know videos now and graphics it's still content yep you know you can have your website load on a phone or a tablet it's still good user experience and page yep. speed like yep. it's just the core thing. So I think when all these people get distracted by shiny object syndrome, they, they, they need to instead, instead of looking at it as an isolated shiny thing, they need to back it into a core pillar and then approach it that way. Take a 53 foot container and just stick it right in there and be perfect. You can, off, you can offload a lot more that way. That's it. Yeah. All right, ABC. So, I get, you know, candidly, it's not as sexy as a story as, as the listeners are probably No, but it's fun as shit, and I want to hear about it because <laughs> the fact that you beat them is insane. I mean, you, so, let, let's be real. To, to be able to outrank anybody online already takes a lot of work. And, of course, maybe this was a while ago, but even a while ago, nobody knew what the hell they were doing. You know, only the people that understood what was going on and figured out what was going on were able to do what they did. The bigger companies had way more money to put into that kind of stuff. It's just why they oh, just, yeah. they jumped so far ahead so quick. They got all of that capital behind them. And here comes this guy out of left field, kind of like my buddy I told you about yeah. earlier, what he did with the Oscars and just kind of like went, huh, is that all? 
Yeah. I mean, I know, I know that's oversimplifying, but as you tell the story, it may not sound glorious, but trust me, there are guys out there going, yes, he gave yeah. it to the man. No, it's a, yeah, it's a, good, <laughs> it's a good story, but all right. So what it was is this was, I don't even remember what year it was. It was probably- It doesn't matter. So, <laughs> so, you know, my, my I, I can't even say my wife watched this show because every time, so it's The Bachelor, right? Oh, every, that's right. That's right. And, okay. And, and every time I say my wife was watching it, everyone's like, sure, Damon. <laughs> so, <laughs> so my wife is watching The Bachelor and she would, it's like the Super Bowl. Like she brings me in for the season finale. So I don't watch sports, but I'll watch the Super Bowl, right? So sure, she's like, sure. come, come watch the finale. So I'm watching the finale and um, I don't remember who the predecessor of, of the guy who I ranked, which I'll talk about in a minute. I don't remember who the predecessor was, but you, from what I remember of the season finales at the time of uh, Bachelor was... Um, they would leave you hanging. So it's like, all right, here's the end of the season. And then, you know, check back in a couple of weeks and here's going to be this new guy. Well, this time it was, Hey, season's over. Our next guy is Andy Baldwin. And I was like, Hmm, that's interesting. I wonder who Andy Baldwin is. And so I'm looking up Andy Baldwin and as I'm searching around, I'm only seeing little bits of information here and a little thing from ABC. And, you know, this guy was a, a Navy officer. And so there's stuff about his accomplishments in the Navy and so as I'm clicking through it, I go, I'm not even into The Bachelor and I'm searching for this guy. Imagine what's going to happen to the people that really do care about The Bachelor. Yeah. So that night I told my wife, I was like, hey, I'm going to go in the other room because I didn't, you know, this was however many years ago. And so I didn't have a laptop. I'm like, I'm going to go to my desktop in the other room and bust out a website in 90 minutes. And yeah. so I just go in the other room and I, and I just went and found anything I could about this guy, Andy Baldwin. And I built a fan site. So I bought andybaldwin.net. He owned his own site as well. So in addition to ABC, he also had his own .com website. And so I bought nice. .net. And so what I did is I, I put up all the, the public domain content I could find. And then I structured it in a way that I knew search engines would, at the time, would read and identify with. And did all the SEO things that you do when you're you know, just cranking something right. out in 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah, so, it's just, you know, whatever. It's, it's, it's just a, whatever. Yeah. And so I, I put, I put AdSense on there and then, um, like, I don't remember how much, you know, a couple of days later I went in my AdSense account, like $2,000. What? And so, the, <laughs> so then I was like, maybe I need to build this site out a little bit more. And so then I worked on building it up what I could. And then as you know, new articles come out from the mainstream media about the new bachelor guy, then I'm like featuring that information and, and just kept building it out. And, and so it was the site for Andy Baldwin and it would outrank his own.com. It would outrank ABC's bachelor profile on it. Tell me they didn't come after you in some way or form saying, Hey, what the hell? They actually didn't, but Andy, himself did he i don't know if it was really him or his like an assistant you know pretending to be him or what and so i got an email that says something like hey you should probably give us that domain <laughs> nope <laughs> <laughs> so i was i was very clear on there i mean even even it, it was the unofficial fan like i was very clear that this had nothing yeah to yeah or anybody yeah um but yeah, I mean, I was pretty surprised I wrote back and said no at that time because I didn't, I don't know anything, you know, uh, about. I, I would have wrote back, nope, but I'm a huge fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, it's, it, I had, I ended up repeating that with the the next year. Um, Brad Womack was the guy the year after, did the same kind of thing. And and then I, I had bigger fish to fry after that point. Oh, I'm sure you did. Once you figure that kind of stuff out, but you, you literally, you outranked the man who had the thing and should have been getting a, 
should have been getting all the traffic. And it's probably because he didn't have somebody like you designing it or, or had somebody that understood how to put it together. Mm -hmm. uh, crawlers were specific back in those days. They, they did a certain thing a certain way. And if you knew how yeah. that worked, you had all of the, you had all the advantage. Yeah, it, it wasn't a pretty sight. It was definitely the way that it was structured that, that brought home the bacon. So what's changed? Well, a lot and nothing. <laughs> so, I, 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 I honestly, I expected that answer, and and I want you to explain why, please. Yeah. Well, it's it's a lot because obviously technology changes, yeah. and there's new ways to build websites, and there's mobile devices now, and there's new programming languages, and audiences are on different platforms. But yeah. at the same time, it's like we talked about earlier about the core pillars. It's it's the same thing. So, you know, w one example is. In 2011 and 2012, Google came out with probably two of the biggest algorithms they've ever had, which was called Panda and Penguin, that focused on you know, pain. content, you know, quality versus <laughs> quantity. And, and then so, the button, pain in the butt number two. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, you know, so many people got hammered in the SEO space, but what was nice for us is we didn't. And I think it's because I stuck to the core things. But what I also did is I, is I thought ahead. Like I always had a tin hat thinking, you know, these spammy things that SEOs do, if I can identify the footprint on those, Google definitely can. Oh, yeah. So I started, you know, in the probably within nine to 18 months before those algorithms rolled out, I said, hey, we need to kind of like backtrack and clean up the things, even though they work now, I don't think they're going to work in the future. And so let's start proactively cleaning those up. So in come these algorithm changes, just decimates the SEO community and then all of their, their clients and I, you know, I don't have any statistics, but I wouldn't doubt if 50% of the SEO agencies went under. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it was more than that, honestly, because Panda and, um, what was the other one? Panda and Penguin. Penguin. I, I, during that time I was in and around the affiliate marketing space and there were a ton of yeah. SEO guys that were promoting all kinds of stuff. And the more I looked at it, I went, there's a thread in here. I'm, I'm noticing I'm not liking what I'm seeing. So I stayed away from it. Um, at the time, I didn't even have a website. I was just doing, you know, social media management and stuff like that. But I, I was watching what was going on, and I was like, "Something's not going to be right." And sure enough, when when um, when Panda was released, people started complaining. When Penguin started getting released, people were starting to come up with new solutions for Panda. And I'm like, "You guys are late. Mm -hmm. You guys are late, and your relevance is about out the door because now Penguin's in. So how do you fix that?" And and it goes back to. Did they really stick to the pillars? I don't think they did. I, at least not the theories of, of what the pillars are with regards to marketing and, and putting out proper content. And I only noticed a few guys stuck with the the right way to do it, I guess to say. Mm -hmm. And I still follow a couple of those guys today, um, although that's not my department, so to speak. That's really one of my other my other partners. And he knows both ends. He's he's been on he's been on the white side, he's been on the black side. Mm -hmm. White hat, black hat. So when he sees something that's black hat, he goes, yeah, we're not doing that. Yeah. I'm like, but this is, he's like, no, that's but, black hat. We're not doing working, that. It's working, yeah, but yeah. it won't forever. And, and, and the whole thing about that, and he's, he's educated me a ton. I, I'm, I'm not the smartest guy when it comes to search engine optimization, but he'll, he'll come up with stuff. He's like, did you do this? I'm like, why would I do that? He goes, here's why. And I'm like, oh, sheesh, no, I didn't do that. Okay, can we get it done? Um, which leads me to a good question. Um, obviously, we work with higher-end clients. Um, but there's, there's entrepreneurs and smaller businesses that need this. They need this mm -hmm. kind of stuff. They need to understand this. They need to have it. If they're going to hire an SEO company, what should they be looking for? I mean, you can't just take the first Tom, Dick, and Harry off the street and go, hey, can you do this? 
Yeah. All right. So I'm going to give the, uh, I, I have two solutions. Awesome. One of them is going to make me cringe a little because it's going to be pitchy. So the, the non-pitchy one first, because <laughs> I'm not a sales guy, but it's where one of the answers is. Oh, wait till you, wait till you so, hear my ending. <laughs> so if, okay, so the non-pitchy one is, uh, as you mentioned, I contribute to Forbes on the topic of SEO. So if you just go Google my name, Damon Burton Forbes, and find my column, there's several pieces that I've written about exactly this. So one of them is, what are the four red flags you watch out for when hiring an agency? Another one is, what are the nine questions you ask an agency? And then I think I've seen that article. Yeah, yeah. I think and I have so seen that article. Then one of the other ones is eight SEO myths to avoid. And then my latest article was the follow-up, seven more SEO myths to avoid. So in there is like the perfect answer of if anybody, like one example is as an, if, if you're interviewing an SEO agency and they, and and you say, well, how do you approach this one thing? And they go, well, it's proprietary. As soon as they say it's proprietary, just like take off. Because yeah. all of us are using the same general tools one way or another. It's just who uses them better. Yeah. And so yeah. the chances of them actually having a custom-built proprietary tool are slim to none. Yeah. So go read the Forbes articles. Tons of answers in there. Okay, now here's the one. Right, I'll put the links in the descriptions, you guys. So just hang in there. You'll, you'll have it in the comments or in the description of the video or the, the podcast. So just read. So here, here's the one I feel guilty about. So I did a chapter in my book mm -hmm. that is an, entirely about that. And a lot of the information that I put out in Forbes comes from my book. And so there is a chapter in there dedicated to this. Because when I, when I wrote the book, I kind of had like two goals. One goal was, okay, here's um, not only do I want to use it to um, you know, help qualify leads and big businesses and, mm -hmm. and explain, you know, how you scale. But then I also wanted to help the little guys. So just like you said, you know, give them a fighting chance. If you can't yeah. afford it, like here's the blueprint, because at the end of the day, I don't mind giving away all of the answers because if you have the time to take those answers and run, then you're probably not my ideal client anyway. Exactly. And so I'm fine helping those little guys that can take, take the information and run. So in the book, um, there's like a whole chapter on exactly that. Yeah, I, I have a, a, by the way, that wasn't pitchy at all. That just means go get the damn book so you can figure this out. Um, in which case, again, well, I'll need the link for that so I can make sure it's posted. To, because Here, here's, here's how good it is. Freeseobook.com. Oh, well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen that are listening. Write it down. It'll also be posted on the comments and stuff. Freeseobook.com. Right? It doesn't get more clear than that. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Could, could you, maybe, maybe? Could you, could you get any clearer than that? Free? You did, no. you did say free. You said free, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, no, it, it, I, I believe the same thing. I mean, when, when I talk to people about paid ads, I'll, I'll have people come to me and say, hey, can you help me set up a strategy? Can you help me do this? I'm like, I'm not a coach. Mm -hmm. um, I will not stand in your corner and go rah-rah. I will give you information because <laughs> I, I hate rah-rah. I really do. Um, the last thing I, I think is effective is for somebody to sit there and go, we want to be your cheerleader. I don't need a cheerleader. I need somebody to show me what needs to be done, done and, and help me. Either you help me get it done or you show me how to get it done. And that's, that's way more effective than me paying you any amount of money to go rah-rah. So like I'm working with someone right now who finally actually got me to concede consulting them. And I said, I'm not doing the work. Here's the first piece of work that you need to get done. They've done it. And I said, okay, here's the next piece of work you need to get done. And they're like, I kind of know this stuff. I'm like, yeah, so why did you ask me to coach you? It wasn't pitchy at all. That just means go get the damn book so you can figure this out. Um, in which case, again, well, I'll need the link for that so I can make sure it's posted. To, because Here, here's, here's how good it is. Freeseobook.com. Oh, 
Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen that are listening. Write it down. It'll also be posted on the comments and stuff. Freeselbook.com. Right? It doesn't get more clear than that. I, I don't I don't I don't know. Could could you maybe maybe? Could you could you get any clearer than that? Free? That you did no. you did say free. You said free, right? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, no, it, it, I I believe the same thing. I mean, when when I talk to people about paid ads, I'll I'll have people come to me and say, Hey, can you help me set up a strategy? Can you help me do this? I'm like, I'm not a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I will not stand in your corner and go rah rah. I will give you information because <laughs> I, I hate rah rah. I really do. Um, the last thing I I think is effective is for somebody to sit there and go, "We want to be your cheerleader." I don't need a cheerleader. I need somebody to show me what needs to be done, done and and help me. Either you help me get it done, or you show me how to get it done. And that's that's way more effective than me paying you any amount of money to go rah rah. So like I'm working with someone right now who finally actually got me to concede consulting them and I said I'm not doing the work here's the first piece of work that you need to get done they've done it and I said okay here's the next piece of work you need to get done and they're like I kind of know this stuff I'm like yeah so why did you ask me to coach you yeah. if you know this stuff go just here's just the here's the resources go yeah. do it you're a small business you have the time go do it Go learn it because when you become bigger, you're going to need to tell your team how it works or at least have an idea of how it works so you know when somebody's bullshitting you. Mm-hmm. Well, the that, four flags, what you, like, like as an example, the four flags, what are they? Just as a quick light touch. Know, off the top of my head, you're gonna, I'm not going to remember exactly what the four are. One would be the proprietary thing. That's one. Um, one would be guarantees. So here's the thing about SEO. Oh. Obviously – Obviously, start getting into guarantees on marketing. I say run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And here, here's why. Because the experienced SEO or paid ads guy or any marketer knows that they're so dynamic that things come and go. So if they say it's a guarantee, they have guarantees, then it's a sales pitch. Yeah. But what you can or should ask is realistic expectations. There you they go. Should be able to set realistic expectations. Yeah. But if they say it's a guarantee, just get out. Well, that, that was one of the, and, and you don't have to give the other two. Let them go get the book I'm, or go I'm read the, go read the articles. Now. You're, you're feel guilty here. <laughs> Burton Forbes. <laughs> here we go. Here's the four. Guarantees, instant results, a monopoly on rankings, and costs that sound too good to be true. There's your four. So, so one of the other ones, one of the other red flags I'll throw in there on top of those four is if anybody ever says expert marketer, there is no such thing as an expert marketer. There are expert testers and there are experienced marketers. But you cannot put the term expert marketer together. It's just not possible. If you look at it statistically and you look at it philosophically even, it doesn't exist. You can't be sure of what's going to happen in any specific vertical until you test the idea. And that takes an investment either for either side, whether you're doing SEO or paid ads. There's still an investment, even if it's just time. You, you know what one of the um, cringy parts of being marketing is? Is uh, you can't position your title without sounding like a douchebag. Which is why we don't have one. Which, which is why we don't have one. It's why we just call ourselves marketers, expert yeah. testers, or, or or experienced marketers. And, they, and the only reason that it's it's not so much that it's a safe zone for us, it's a truth zone for us. It's just I'm sorry. You, you, if I told you I was going to guarantee you a hundred new leads, which I I just saw this online too, and that was my that was my like first in bios and yeah. Yeah. Well, these guys are like we're guaranteeing a hundred leads convertible, and I'm I'm looking at them going. And how much money are you going to ask this person to dump into your company to go test the ads that you're going to need to run this and yeah. pay for your phone room? Yeah. Because it, it's not – your guarantees don't mean anything. It just means you're going to keep running shit. And if you end up running at a loss, you're not going to be around much longer than a year or two. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care what algorithm you've figured out or what paid ad strategy you're using. It, it's in essence, and, and if somebody wants to prove me wrong, feel free. I have been wrong before. It's, it's, a not, it's, a, it's not a winning strategy. You're, you're not, it's just not in the long run. You're going to end well, up hurting yourself or your client. Yeah, it's not good for you or your client because then your client has unrealistic expectations. And then when those unrealistic expectations are not met, then you lose trust. Mm-hmm. And so then you don't build relationships. So you don't build a reputation. Yep. Your brand it, actually takes a dump. Yeah. I mean, it's going to catch up at some point. Yeah. Makes absolute sense. So for, for somebody who's a budding entrepreneur or somebody who's a startup, you know, if they're just looking to start, what, what, it doesn't matter. They're all going to have to have some kind of online presence. It's just inevitable to say. Um, maybe back in the nineties, you could get away with not doing it, but today it's impossible. Mm-hmm. What would you suggest is a good beginning strategy for somebody online when it comes to SEO? There's, you can hyper-condense SEO into two categories. First category is how well your website is built. Second category is the external credibility. Okay. So without getting too techie, you know, on, on the first category, focus on really basic stuff. Don't, over complicate your website. I've seen the most simplistic websites consistently outpour, outperform the most visually stimulating designs. Yep. So if you got to keep it, start with a simple website, that's great. Start simple. So don't invest an excessive amount of time or money into just getting your site up. Um, once your site is up, what I would instead focus your time on, assuming you have more time than money, is showcasing your expertise. So start doing the blogging thing by yourself. Um, The key is quality and consistency. So don't force yourself to do it daily if you're just going to start cranking out garbage. Ideally, yeah, maybe do it two times a week. But if it's that second time each week is just garbage, then don't do it. So focus on quality. Um, And then get kind of like we talked about earlier, sell without selling. Give away your free advice. Answer questions. Um, and let's say let's say you're not a writer, which is understandable, then there's a couple ways you can start differently. So maybe start recording a selfie video. You don't need to share the video, but then you can take and dictate it. Or you can use a program like Descript.com and it'll transcribe it. Yeah, yeah. There you yeah, go. Yeah, then yeah, yeah. Massage that into an article. Because a lot of times, you know, th- there's a whole left brain, right brain argument about content writing versus Mm -hmm. doing video. So Mm -hmm. like, if you don't like writing, you probably are okay on video. So then just record yourself. You're not going to publish the video, but at least that way you get out a rough draft in your voice, showcasing your expertise. And then from there, just, you know, fix the issues, structure it into a a blog post and then you're done. And then, you know, when you put all that time and effort into that piece of content, then you don't have to stop there you can you know don't reinvent the wheel you can repurpose it so yeah. use something like you know pick to chart.com is is a cheap and inexpensive um informative graphic tool yeah, so yeah. then you can take whatever your text is that says here are the 10 amazing things about what i do now make a graphic that's here's the 10 amazing things that i do and so what you can do is you can stack that content so instead of having a blog post that's only text now you have a blog post and then a fancy graphic at the bottom and then maybe a video too and then google comes along and says wow michael not only has unique content but it's compelling and it's more diverse because he's got text and videos and images so you know content sucks but it doesn't have to suck there are ways that you can like we talked earlier, build a process out of yeah. it so you can be consistent at it. 
how how deep does the process has the process gotten for you when it comes to creating content? I mean, is it like super involved or is it just is it enough? Uh, I mean, how do you how do you how do you view that? Uh, our my team's proud. So I'm I'm not in the content process, but I built it and then passed it on to my Hand team. it over. Sure. Yeah. So what what we do is, you know, we talked about keyword research before. Mm-hmm. So first we align the intent of the audience with keywords. Then we say, okay, what content can support those keywords? So we actually build out a 52-week content calendar. And so the reason why we strategize so far in advance is because, uh, well, a couple of reasons. One is, like we said earlier, if you plan on sitting down every Friday and putting on your writer's hat, you're going to have some bad Fridays. Oh, absolutely. So you, it's better to do all the research, front load that time, and then have a really good roadmap in front of you. So if you have a bad Friday and you can skip it and then write on Saturday and you already know what you're going to write about. Right, right, right. Because if you just like show up on a Friday and go, what am I going to write about? You're probably going to sit there for half the day trying to figure out what right. you're going to write about. So we map it out. The other nice thing about that is then we can go to the client once a year and say, look, here's our safety net. We may pivot from this as new things come up uh, throughout the year. But as a baseline, all this content is based on the keyword research we did that aligns with your audience's intent can we have your blessing on proceeding with this, sure. these topics? Yeah. That makes so then we don't have to ping the client all the time. They're not waiting on us. We're not waiting on them. And we can just have forward motion. Um, after that, then we do exactly what I said earlier. We refurbish the content. So we write two months in advance. So now it's June. We're working on August content. <clears throat> the reason why we write in advance is because we use that first month to look at our content calendar and go, oh, here's what we're writing about, and then do the research and close the knowledge gap because mm-hmm. we're writing on behalf of our clients. Some mm-hmm. of them are medical professionals. Some of them have doctorates. Some of them are attorneys. So we have to speak at their level. Oh, yeah. So that gives us time to close that knowledge gap, write it, and then send it to the client and say, look at this piece of content. Are we good? And then by the end of month one of two and us writing in advance, they say, yes, proceed. And then we use that second month to do the video repurposing, the graphic repurposing. So by the time month two is up and it's time to go live, we have a big fat stack of content that we layer together. Sweet. All off of one simple map. That's really awesome. Cool. Um, Thank you for the advice. That was awesome. Thank you for the insight. Um, Where can people find you? I I found you on LinkedIn. Obviously, I just requested connecting and and I stalked you for a while, so sorry. Yeah, Um, no. That's why I'm on LinkedIn. (laughs) Um, But where can people find you? Where's, where's the most relevant place? We already got free SEO book.com. That's one or else what's a good place for the people to find your content. LinkedIn is my platform of choice. So find me on there. Um, I am also relatively active on Facebook. So those are my only two platforms. Um, if you go to the free SEO book, there's no upsell on the second page on the thanks page is the download, but then there's also an invite to a Facebook group I have. So I, all the stuff we're talking about now, I also give away freely inside that Facebook group. So I'm pretty active in there. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, good. Well, I'll have to get a copy. And uh, I don't know if you have any hard covers, I might just ask you for a signature I or something. Do. I do. Oh, Didn't you see me do this thing? Oh, there? yes. I remember you doing that. I didn't, yeah. I didn't yeah, I'll, yeah, just to Mike with love um, yeah, and coffee. <laughs> Do Mike would love it and, and caffeine. Mike, <laughs> yeah, just just the way it needs to be. <laughs> Got it. What's what's the future look like for you? I mean, where where are you at right now as far as uh, as far as business and, and life is concerned? Um, 
You know, that's, that's a bit of a wild card. I, I, I have some very clear direction. Then I also have a bit of one path that's enticing that has no direction at all. So um, I'm in, in one path. I'm very fortunate to still be in this same industry 13 years later and still have the appreciation that for all, that's that awesome. I do. That's awesome. So, you know, I, I still have the passion in it where I'm going to probably stay in it for a while. Hmm. But at the same time, um, I wouldn't mind taking the fruits of my labor and exiting. Yeah. But, right. you know, if I exit, I don't know what I'm going to do. I think, um, you know, I've been at it for so long that I think I want to do nothing for a couple months. Like I'll, I'll always be, uh, and as soon as that nothing is up, I'll be right back into entrepreneur land because, sure. Sure. you know, that's where, that, that's what feeds me. Um, so I'll probably dive into some other consulting capacity, but somewhere in the middle, I'm going to do nothing. We've, we've been called a strange breed because of that. We can't not work. Exactly. Taking, taking a break is really hard for us. Mm-hmm. Um, me- mental breaks here and there for honoring self, but taking long breaks like that, not easy because yeah. we, get, we get bored quick. You know what I do is um, I do what I call day trips. So I'll take uh, like a 6 a.m. flight to San Diego. So it's like a 90-minute flight. Yeah. Go get in some sunshine. I'll bring my laptop, sit on the beach. Um, but I don't want to be away from my wife and kids. So I'll, I'll catch a 6 p.m. flight back the same day. Yep. And so I do that for my little mental breaks. But you're totally right. You know, my sweet spot for like a quote-unquote long vacation is like three to four days. Yeah. Because I need I need one to two days to, to get out of my routine yep. and not think work. And then I can relax on the third day. And then the fourth day, I'm like, oh, man, imagine how much I could have accomplished by now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. That is totally, that is totally how we are. I, I, it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I remember some years back when I was first starting this, the, the, the many nights of, you know, staying up to two, three in the morning and just doing stuff because I needed to research. I mean, I, if you remember the name Tom, we had a personal relationship before Facebook ever came along. He was I, your best friend. He was one of my best friends. Um, your top eight. He he was he was one of my he was he was number one of my top eight actually. We, <laughs> Some people are like, what in the hell are they talking? Yeah, about? It's, so it's it's a it's a it's a no longer well known name uh, social platform called MySpace. Tom was um uh, was the owner and creator of it. Um, and when I first got onto MySpace, I was a talent scout. Hmm. Um, and it was a great place to find talent because they all went in there because of all the customizability and you could throw pictures and everything all over the place. And, but I used to talk with Tom, Hey man, what are you doing today? What are you working on? What's going on? What's new? What have you learned? What's that? What, what, what's next for MySpace? And then he sold and I, and, and everybody got mad at Tom when he sold out. My message to him was, did it have at least six, six zeros after that first, uh, the second comma? He goes, yeah. And, and, and a little more, I'm like, good, enjoy yeah. it. Love you, man. Yeah, because everybody that was on the platform wasn't an entrepreneur. Yeah. As an entrepreneur, I was like, he took his exit, and he knew yeah. when it was time to get out because Facebook was starting to catch on. You, it's it's funny because a lot of people say, "Oh, Facebook is or MySpace is worthless," which you know can be argued now, but they don't realize that Tom got out. Tom yeah. wasn't on the worthless train. No, nope, <laughs> he wasn't. He 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 knew when the train had hit the top of the mountain. He said, "Bye." Yeah. And and the media the media company that owns it now isn't doing anything with it. I mean it's it's a it's a family media business and they haven't done squat with it. So yeah, it's it's kind of sitting. Mm-hmm. It has a ton of potential. It could literally, right now in particular, 
it could completely reclaim a huge portion of the social market. Mm-hmm. They just don't know how to do it. No, and, yeah, they, they've niched it down to music and, and it's just not moving. Nah, YouTube's already got that cornered in my opinion, but you know, my opinion and five bucks gets just our bucks. Um, but yeah, it, I think <laughs> if that, I think they've gotten even more expensive these days. Yeah, well, um, unfortunately, I'm done. I'm sure well, we could go on for quite a you few know what? more. Let's leave, it, let's leave it with this. Michael, did you know that according to this coffee mug, I am the world's number one dad? I, I, would, have to, I would have to say if that's, if, that's, if that's your belief, then it is true. And, and, and only, because, only because we're both dads. I think I'm the we world's greatest dad. Number ones. Yeah, it, we, can, we can share the gold. You know, you take half, I'll take half. Um, Michael, it's not a zero-sum game. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your time, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be here next week. So anyway, uh, yeah, actually, we're, we're at the end of time. And I want to thank you again for taking time to educate myself as well uh, as our listeners and our viewers on the subject of SEO what it really means and what it's for. Guys, again, if you want to find Damon, find him on LinkedIn, freeseobook.com. I'll have a couple of links posted up on everything. Um, Any last words, brother? Thanks for the time, man. Appreciate the opportunity. All right. From both of us to all of you, y'all know how I like to sign off. I love every one of you. Stay up, stay healthy, stay safe, but live for goodness sakes. Take care of each other. Thank you very much. Talk to you guys soon. Ciao for now.